What's up, church planters and all you fans of church planting? My name is Jared Huntley, and I'm with my good friend Matt Hess. And you're listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by everyday church planters for the everyday church planter. And this podcast isn't just for church planters. It's for anyone who loves church planting and wants to get in the trenches to advance the kingdom of God. Matt, how's it going, man? It's going good, my friend. How are you? I'm doing really good. Really good. It's really cold outside. It is very cold outside. I don't want to go outside. No, outside. man. It's one of those... I, I, I uh, showered at the gym yesterday and I walked out and <laughs> to the uh, um, parking lot yep. and it was so cold and I got to I got to the car and I felt my hair and you know after you kind of worked out like your adrenaline's going and everything like that mm-hmm. you're kind of out of it a little bit mm-hmm. I felt my hair and and um, it was styled it was like felt and I was like I don't even remember putting any hair product in this, mm-hmm. but it was just the temperature kind of like frozen, frozen my hair. hair. Yep. Because it was wet. Yeah. It's that cold. That's how cold it is. Oh, yeah. It was below zero Fahrenheit for sure. You know, they said that it was uh, Minnesota, Minnesota, eh? Minus 60. Yeah. Yeah. It was minus well, wind 60 chill, right. with the wind chill. Yeah. Minus 60 with the wind chill. H- however you cut it, that's cold. Yeah. What, you know, it's like um, people say that like with the wind chill though. It's like. Dude, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, like when I was in Iraq, this is so funny. When I was in Iraq the with the Marine Corps, the last day I left there, it was like 120 something degrees Fahrenheit, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I remember telling that story to somebody in Oklahoma and they're like, that is more of a dry heat, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it was 127 yeah. degrees. At that point, it doesn't really matter if it's like, dry it heat. It felt like... Everywhere you went out there, it felt like the somebody had a blow dryer turned on high, blowing it in your face when the yep. wind would blow. Yep. It's crazy. You were in Kuwait. Yeah, I was in Kuwait, which is probably even hotter than Iraq. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty bad. Hey, I didn't... This is a cool story. Um, last week, uh, on sun, yeah, Sunday, we went and got some uh, shawarma at our favorite shawarma place. It's a place called Peteland in Ajax. It's really good. And um, there's this guy in there and this same guy and same girl, they're always working in there. Mm-hmm. Super nice, super friendly. And I get to talking to him and uh, they're Middle Eastern. And I say, oh, you know, the guy, I said, where are you from? And he said, I- Iraq. And I said, oh, wow. And I said, we're at in Iraq. And he said, Baghdad. Mm-hmm. And so we got into this conversation and it was just fascinating. Mm-hmm. And she was from Pakistan mm-hmm. um, originally, but then she immigrated to Afghanistan mm-hmm. and then... Um, ultimately ended up in Canada. That's cool. Yeah, so it was really, really interesting. Just to give our listeners a little bit of snippet where we live. We got to share the gospel with a man from Afghanistan who came here three months ago wow. uh, on uh, Friday. So that's so cool. Yeah, it was. It was it, he he spoke some English, and so he could mostly put together what we were saying. But he asked for a Bible, awesome, uh, which was legit. So we got to give him a Bible. When we first moved here, uh, for like the first two years, we when we lived over in Pickering, my hairstylist was her name was Wahida, mm-hmm. and she was from Afghanistan. Yeah, she cut my hair. She cut times. your hair a couple times, mm-hmm. yes. Right. And super sweet lady. Yeah. Um, and then when we moved over to Whippy. Um, I started getting my hair cut and got in a conversation and um. I said, oh, where are you from? You know, to, to her, she said, Afghanistan. I was like, oh, this is interesting, mm-hmm. Lord. You know, like two back to back. So mm-hmm. anyways, yeah. sad, man. Um, Sad. Those people have been through so much, yep. so yep. much, uh, so much war and, and uh, all the, all the garbage, the violence and stuff. So yeah. yeah. Speaking of the, the cold, uh, I was talking to my, 
my wife this morning and, and she was like, oh, my hands are dry. I'm like, your hands, are your hands dry? And I was like, no, my, my hands aren't dry. I think I just naturally moisturize. And she was like, I think it's, I think it's cause I, you know, I just, I, I have, you know, I have so many chemicals on my hands. She's like, I, I shower more than you. And my, I'm, I, you know, I wash dishes more than you. And I was like, hold on a second. Wait, 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 wait. So you're dirty. I was like, are you? I was like, are you complaining about your dry hands? Or are you like in an underhanded way insulting me right now? Telling me yeah. that I don't bathe enough <laughs> and that I don't help enough with the dishes. You no, know, because I'm clean and you're dirty. Yeah. yeah I, I like, work and you're lazy. Come on now. So, yeah. That's so I hilarious. felt that's how my morning started is my wife insulted me. She, so. Jim would never do that. No, never. She would never do that. She's probably complimenting you and you didn't realize it. <gasps> I'm not. Mm. You dirty, non-showering, filth monger. Yeah. What are we talking about today? We're talking about uh, something that people probably aren't that interested in it. I mean, I don't, I don't think people really like talking about this stuff, but it's, you know, church planting models The you know, do church planting models matter? Nah. Have you ever heard anybody even talk about that nah. before? Nah. That's a, that was a good episode. What? Oh, I thought we were done. Oh, we're done? Okay. All right. <laughs> Until next week. Go out there and get in those trenches, church planters. Get out planters. there and get in those trenches, church planters. I mean, we're going to Don't talk worry about, about the model. <laughs> we're going to talk about how much do church planting models matter? Yeah. Uh, is there one model to rule them all or does it depend on your specific context? So, Matt, um, obviously these are a hot topic. We were being yeah. facetious. Church planting models are hot topics and they tend to get talked about a lot. Yeah. And it seems like certain models go in and out of fashion, you know, models are controversial in church planning. They're controversial. They go in and out of fashion. It seems like every few years there's like the next great model and, you know, people writing books on it and this is why you should plant churches like this. And this is why you should plant churches like that. Why is that? Why do you think that this is such a, uh, an inflammatory topic in some ways and a popular topic? I mean, I, I have my opinions on it, but hey, 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 do not hold back. <laughs> this is in the trench. We're in the trenches. Yeah, yeah, because you know me. You know I do. I will hold back. I can just see uh, you trying to hold back. No, no, it's not that. I'm just trying to mark my words. I don't know why it is. Is That's what I was thinking about, whether I want to say that or not. Um, gotcha. I'll be honest with you. I'll be completely honest with you, man. I, I've always held this view. I I have... My ideas, we're going to talk about those, about models, obviously. But I've always believed this. Before I was a church planner, before I knew what models were or weren't, there is room for all kinds of different churches to advance the kingdom of God. No. And... Um, except for... Except for except, the really big ones that really buy warehouses ones. and get laser light shows. Yeah, not room for them. No, I, I, you know, there's even room for those guys. <laughs> I mean, like, there's room for all of them. I, I, I personally, I really even do. for house churches. Even for house churches. <laughs> yeah, even for house churches, it's working pretty well in China. <laughs> um, I, I, I honestly, man, I, you know, I, I just have never really got this argument. So when guys are going at it, you know, I mean, I kind of just sit back and listen. Mm-hmm. I have my opinions. I have my thoughts. But I, but I do go back to, I've been in all kinds of different models um, and I've seen all kinds of different models work and be successful. So I don't, I don't know why we get in such heated topics and, and, or, or heated debates about this when, you know, the brother down the road that's launching a church with 300 people on his core team and he's killing it. Like, that's, that's a large core team. That's a large core team. Probably not going to see that in Canada, but. Probably not here. But, you know, but I've seen it in the States and, you know, they do it and it's, it and, uh, you know, it's, it looks successful. I don't know. 
and and everything and they're 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 uh they're having baptisms leading people to christ or something i want to celebrate that like mm-hmm. amen you mm-hmm. know and there's a guy with the house church that's meeting with 13 people in his home and they're out on mission knocking on doors sharing the gospel doing those things mm-hmm. I, and in gathering in both instances are they the church sure you know so like i don't need to throw stones at anybody but i think it's i think it's debated i think it's a hot topic because people guys are so married to their model mm-hmm. they 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 can't they can't look at it like what other people how other people do it i'm, it, I'm married to a model yeah her name's jennifer huntley oh and i love her bring the flames <laughs> bring the flames <laughs> but but i but i also think you know um where there where there is controversy mm-hmm. and where where the debates do get heated is when you see a particular model and you think, mm, I don't know if that's in the Bible. Yeah. That's when the push comes, right? Mm-hmm. And and people say, well, like, yeah. oh, I don't know about that. So Yeah, and that's we're gonna we're definitely gonna jump into some of that and we'll talk about some of the parameters. I, I do think that there is a playing field within which we should stay. Uh there's yeah. a point at which you can go out of bounds, uh, I, I believe, personally. Yeah. Um, but I, I so I think that um we, for whatever reason, are we are naturally prone to look for silver bullets, right? Um, like we we want to find the solution, we want to find a formula that works. Especially men, men are really like like men want to solve problems, and they're looking for that you know solution for that silver yeah. bullet. And like in in um, you know once they latch onto a certain model and they think we I found it, you know, and and then you know I see this in scripture, right? And it's easy to even like read your model into scripture and so that's the only model I see in the Bible and uh you know I see this all the time, all the time. Yeah. And and what's funny is that people will do it just as adamantly for house churches as people for attractional churches will do it. They'll both be adamant oh, yeah. about the fact that this is the model that's seen in the Bible and I'm like, well, somebody's wrong. Either both of you are or one of you oh, is. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, absolutely. I used to think that I used to think that that wasn't the case. When I first got into church planning and started hearing these conversations, yep. I thought, you know, like the big, the big attractional guys, you know, they're, they're always throwing stones at the house church guys. And, you know, these guys are just kind of like, they're the humble, quiet people just trying to do it the biblical way. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, wait, no, no, they're actually not. You know, like they have, they definitely have their opinions and thoughts oh, yeah. oh, as yeah. well. Like, you know, which is okay. Absolutely. Um, I also think that strong opinions about these things come out of a reaction against something. So, uh, for example, experience, what's that experience? Yeah. Yeah. Experience. Poor church experience. Yeah, absolutely. Poor church experience. And so, you know, like one of the, there's a, you know, there's a big movement right now, which I think is really good, uh, a healthy movement towards, you know, uh, beginning to uh, equip the saints for the work of ministry. Yeah. This this desire to move away from consumerism in the yeah. church, which is healthy, which is very healthy and good. But it's easy to take that pendulum all the way to the other end and begin to, you know, militantly, you know, uh, preach that you know, the only way to do church is, you know, like this, you know, and yeah. so, you know, only house churches, house churches are the only biblical model. And a lot of times I think that's a reaction to, uh, you know, what we're seeing in, you know, the traditional church. Wouldn't you say like, just like principles in general though, too, falls into that category, like in church, you know, like mm-hmm. children's ministry, youth ministry, whatever, um, you know, Vody Bach, I love Vody's stuff, man. Mm-hmm. He's a great preacher and, and, uh, all those kinds of things, but he has some very strong opinions sure. on, 
ch- children and family and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. We had a large family visit Fellowship Pickering and they were like, um, when are you going to stop having a nursery? And I was like, have I like you, that. Have I you like that li- presumption. Like, when, yeah. like they didn't, are you going to like, when are you going? To? Yeah, yeah. When are you going to yeah. obey God and yeah. stop having when a nursery? When are you going to obey God? And I was like, <laughs> have you been listening to Bodie Bacham? <laughs> you know, yeah. So this, these are the next words that come out of her mouth. You know, uh, we went to this homeschool conference. Was, oh, oh, mm. <laughs> you know, and so yeah. she was like, you know, Vody Bacham was teaching at this homeschool conference and he was talking about how sinful it was for this and that. And I don't want to misquote Vody, but I was just like, man, we're always going to have a nursery. That's yeah. just, that's just how we see mm-hmm. the best way to do things. Mm-hmm. So you, now you don't have to put your children in the nursery. Yeah. A crying baby never bothered me. Yeah. It's a great sign of church health, bring that baby in and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Needless to say, they didn't stick around, yeah. you know? So yeah. anyways. Yeah. Well, I, one, one point that I wanted to bring up before we kind of jump into this that I think is important is uh, I think a lot of this, you know, when we get at each other's, uh, you know, throats or we start, you know, arguing about, you know, church planning models or you have, you know, one camp kind of uh, slandering basically the yeah. other camp. I think that just happens far too often. And we yeah. begin to look at like people who do things differently than us as the enemies. And even though they might be, you know, um, like I don't agree with like these, you know, like I would never plan a church with like this massive launch model, you know, where you've got 300 people on your core team or whatever. But like you said, don't ever say the, never. Well, that's true, but probably never. Yeah. Um, if the, you know, like if the gospel is being preached, yeah, what's wrong you know, with it? like I, I was, I, we were studying, <clears throat> my wife and I were studying Philippians chapter one yesterday and what really convicted me out of that was, you know, Paul was was talking about how some preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. Um, and then he goes on to say, um, you know, the former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, yes. seeking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. And so, like, he didn't just say, I, and that I put up with, and that I'm okay with, yeah. or I will allow. He actually said, I rejoice. And I just think that, like, what that taught me is, like, man, when our focus is on God and our eyes are on him and our desires are his desires and our we just want the name of Jesus to get out there, we're not going to be getting all bent out of shape over, no. you know, like the methodology of the church down the road. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, if somebody's, you know, preaching heresy or false teaching, absolutely, that should get under your skin and that should, you know, be something that we are, that we address. And, but we're, I feel like too often we teach people yeah. who have different church planning models like they're false teachers. Oh, absolutely. That's absolutely true. You, you know, who can you sell? It's two different, it's two different, um, two different subjects. Somebody that is not preaching the gospel, somebody who's a prosperity preacher, somebody who's a false t- prophet t- teacher, who mm-hmm. that person is not part of building the kingdom. They're not. They're doing. No. Scripture is very clear on that. But if somebody just sees things a little differently than I do, methodologically, mm-hmm. then I can still I can still be for that brother. I can yep. still champion that brother. Yep. I can still be for them. And I think where it gets I think where we become like Pharisees, really, mm-hmm. when we start throwing stones at people because, well, I would never do it like that. Well, so what? Yeah. You would never raise your kids like I raised my kids. Yeah. Can we not fellowship? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have friends who don't believe in spanking. 
They put their kids in timeouts and, you know, we have friends and families that do that kind of stuff and uh, family members that do that kind of stuff. It's, it's, you know, they might not agree with the way I discipline. I might not agree with the way it is, but guess what? I'm not raising their kids. Mm -hmm. Guess what? They're not raising my kids. We're still close. We still love each other. We're still family. I asked our congregation a few weeks ago, it's easy to become passionate about your local church. It's hard to become passionate about the universal church. Yep. So are you just excited about the church in Zimbabwe that has seven-hour services that has a completely different style of worship and music and mm-hmm. dress and attire and all those kinds of things that you are about your church? Yeah. I mean, that's a heart condition. To, what, to your point, what Paul is saying there is that if they're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, we should celebrate. And so that's what it gets back down to. Yep. If, somebody, if somebody is preaching the gospel then we can be happy about it. That's right. That's right. Um, <clears throat> so maybe uh, let's kind of kind of move on here. Now that we've kind of put some caveats there about, you know, um, the way that we want to approach brothers and sisters that we, you know, maybe differ on with this. Um, we should probably also put our cards on the table and, and just kind of, so Matt, I'll ask you this. Do you think that there is just one type of model uh, that is uh, superior to other types of models? Um, and if not, why not? I, I think that the, 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 the simple, the short answer to that question is absolutely not. Right. Well, I, you know what? Let me rephrase this question. Yeah. Do you think that there is a model that the Bible um, presents as better <laughs> than others? I, I think that w- the, 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 the typical text that we go to is Acts 2. 42 mm-hmm. through 47 to mm-hmm. see what the church does when they, they do. And there's some basic tenets that just overall that the church should be doing. Yep. And um, when, when I think about what those things are, fellowshipping of the saints, mm-hmm. taking of the Lord's Supper, mm-hmm. other ordinances, baptism, um, discipleship, evangelism, yep. you know, prayer, um, confession of sin. Mm-hmm. So however that's fleshed out and however that looks can be... Uh, can be exercised in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's any one model that I would subscribe, right. but I would say it's, it's a couple of different things. How is the planter wired? How, what is the, what is the passion of the planter? Mm-hmm. If a planter comes to me and he's like, Matt, Oh, so yeah, so let's just put our cards on the table for the sure. network. We're, we, we essentially plant missional attractional models. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that we would all agree with that mm-hmm. within our mm-hmm. network. So we, we haven't planted a house church or, you know, um, haven't planted like a attractional church. Although I, I'm finding very few uh, planters even saying these days, like I'm planning an attractional model, although they are. They are. A lot uh, of them. I would say the majority of churches planted are attractional. But what I'm saying is they're, they're not cla- they're not self-identifying. No, that. they're not. They're always self. They're, they're reverting back to the, we're missional attractional. Yeah. Like we want to be on mission. Yeah. But 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 what they but what we see is that there is an enormous emphasis mm-hmm. on their Sunday morning and gathering. Ma- and maybe we should talk about the difference between, like, what's a true missional, attractional yeah, church? Yeah, so I would define a true, a, a genuinely missional, attractional church is emphasizing discipleship, mm-hmm. emphasizing the training of the saints on how to share their faith mm-hmm. on a regular basis, mm-hmm. and holding them accountable to do those mm-hmm. things, emphasizing serving inside mm-hmm. of the church and outside of the church, mm-hmm. and then the attractional piece 
would be that we, we believe in multiple front doors. Yep. So you can have a front door into your small groups, whether it be alpha, although alpha would probably be more, probably some down the evangelism track or yeah. trail, but um, in our context, uh, you know, there can be a front door to a discipleship relationship. There can be a front door to a gym night. Mm-hmm. There can be a front door to a Sunday morning service. Mm-hmm. And so when, when you hear the word attractional, most people automatically go to Sunday mornings. We don't necessarily go to Sunday mornings when we hear that word. Right. Also, when you hear the word attractional, you think like big, pr- nice production, mm-hmm. full-blown worship team or, or band, mm-hmm. um, lights, uh, maybe like a fog machine. These are just things people tell me when right. I say, what do you think of when you think of attractional? Right. Um, you know, slick marketing, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And we say amen to all that stuff. Like there's nothing inherently wrong with well, any of that. I don't know if I say amen to the fog machine, but <laughs> not the fog machine. <laughs> yeah, probably not the fog. I don't think any of our church have done a fog machine. Although, but but in all seriousness, I you know I we know church in the states that are healthy, good, yep. productive churches. They have fog machines. There's True. nothing wrong with the fog machine. It's not my cup of tea. I don't really quite understand it. Yeah. But but I'm not. Again, that's a preference thing. Mm-hmm. That's not a oh you're not a biblical church because you're running a fog machine. Yeah. Um. So um. We have lights now at Fellowship Pickering, courtesy of you guys. You, de- you, you guys gave us some lights. It's true. Um, so a little too, didn't want to go down that, didn't want to go too far. We're just more low maintenance, man. Like we're pretty <laughs> like. joking with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. We tried them for a couple of weeks and then we were like, this is, yeah. this just feels weird. Like we don't want these things. So <laughs> yeah. we got rid of them. Yeah. So we gladly took those. But in all seriousness, when, when we hear that word attractional, it's much more than just, you know, um, what you do on Sunday mornings mm-hmm. or, or how great it is. It can be fleshed out in a lot of different ways. But our, I'll put all our cards on the table. That's primarily the model we run on. Yeah. You know, we're typically missional attractional. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's how we would define our model. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Um, so let's, um, we had, I actually asked people uh, if, you know, what kind of questions they had. Cool. in this topic on Facebook. And so I wanted to kind of address some of the questions uh, that came in. Um, so uh, Jordan asks this, he, and we'll kind of, I'll probably, probably, uh, you know, morph this question a little bit, but he asks, are there, uh, have we seen uh, models in the past that would no longer work in a 21st century North American context? And where do you see the future of church planting in North America going in regards to models and cultural engagement. So my first, my, the, the, my answer to the first part of that question is that I don't think I would ever say that there's a model in the past that will not work anywhere, uh, in the 21st century. Um, I, you know, there's no model that I know of at least that would just, I, I could conclusively say it won't work in any context because yeah. I don't know every context. Uh, and I know that I know what can work here and what won't work as well here. I mean, we've, you know, we've seen some of that. Um, like we know firsthand experience that where we live, it is extremely difficult to get people to gather in homes. And so it's a, a tough road to hoe if you're going right. to try to start a house church movement here. Uh, now, if somebody wants to do it and they feel led to do it, like we're going to like say amen and, and support for it. Uh, but it's hard. I mean, yeah. and, and so like for me personally, that would not be the direction that I would go where we to start another church here because we just know from experience that it butts up against the head of the culture, at least where I'm at. Now, if you are planting somewhere in um, Toronto amongst Pakistani immigrants, 
Well, it might be totally different because that's a different culture, right? Yeah. And so you're, you know, like uh, they may be much more apt to gather inside homes if you're if you're planting a church within a high rise or something like that. But here we're in Oshawa, which is a predominantly Caucasian uh, community that's growing in diversity right now yeah. of 175,000 people. And they are very secular and they're very privatized and individualistic. People so. still, the, the piece... The, the reason why we still emphasize, <clears throat> excuse me, the reason why we still emphasize our Sunday morning gatherings in our network is because we, A, we think it's biblical and it's good for the saints to gather. The Bible tells us that yep. in a corporate level. Um, so we're not just doing it because of what you always have done. Mm-hmm. We think it's God's design, God's plan. You, now you can do that in a home or whatever sure. too. But to your point, contextually, people still, when they think of church here or getting involved in a church, they think going into a school or gym, a building mm-hmm. on a Sunday morning. Yep. And that's what we've seen. Yep. That's right. That's right. Um, Jordan also asked, what do you think the future of planting in North America looks like regarding models and cultural engagement? That's a good question. And it's a, it's one that a lot of people are talking about and you're going to find a variety of opinions about. Um, what do you, what do you think, Matt, just where we're heading in the future? I think the model trying to, think how I want to preference preferences the um I think the model has to dictate the gift sets so mm-hmm. like we, we Ephesians 4 everybody's talking about the apes model apostles prophets evangelists shepherds teachers so what kind of structure can your church have where all of those voices are being expressed mm-hmm. I personally think that there are some models that are maybe more difficult to express those yep. voices yeah um than others. Yep. So I think you just have to think through those things. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, if you if you have a particular model where the apostles never have a voice, the prophets never have a voice, um, the evangelists never have a voice, or it's always the shepherds, it's always the teachers, yep. then like, you know, are we doing it the way God's designed it to be mm-hmm. done? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the challenge that we have to think through when we talk sure. about models. Sure. So, but, but I, but to answer Jordan's question for me personally, how I would say that where we're going in North America, I think it has to be much more relational. We have to build relationships with people. We have to be bold with the gospel. We got to get all our cards out on the table on mm-hmm. the front end. People got to know who we are, what we mm-hmm. stand for. So when it hits the fan in their life or when the spirit begins to draw them, they know who to come to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think there it's going to be slower. Yep. I think we have to be more patient. Yep. I think the days where you throw a we're open sign up is getting um, dimmer and dimmer. Mm-hmm. I do think there's still value in Sunday morning gatherings. Mm-hmm. I do think there's still value in sure. church websites and sure. programming and all those kinds of sure. things. I think it's going to be fleshed out differently moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And fruit-based plant. I didn't mean to interrupt mm-hmm. you. Fruit, fruit-based planting is what we want to move to. Absolutely. Where we're, where we're seeing people converted in the harvest mm-hmm. through relationships or just evangelism, obviously. Mm-hmm. I hope our listeners understand. I hope I made that clear, you know. But, um, but as people are coming to Christ, building relationships, gaining momentum, mm-hmm. building momentum, and then when you see some of that momentum, get to your gathering. That's okay. Yeah. Do it because it's biblical. Do it, you know, because you want to reach more people. Mm-hmm. But understand and know that those Sunday morning people are always going to be around. Yeah. The Sunday morning only people. Yeah. You're, you're always going to get them eventually. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a good friend of ours um, this past week, and we were having this exact same conversation. 
the the people who think of church only as Sunday morning, you know, they're like your two Sundays a month type people. Yeah. They're probably never going to get into small groups. A lot of them, they're never going to get into discipleship relationships. A lot of them, they see church as this is what I do on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. You're always going to get to those people. Mm-hmm. So isn't it better to start with a model that is fruit based and has a DNA of doing things the right way, sure. missionally and then attractionally? Sure. Yeah. And, you know, Jeff Christopherson says planting churches from evangelism, not for evangelism, right? Uh, and I think that's a very uh, good, you know, concise description of yeah. what we're talking about with fruit-based planting. Um, I think that a um, couple of things, you know, when I think about the future of church planting, I, I think that we're going to have to simplify things um, as far as like, uh, you know, uh, Sunday gatherings. I, I do think that we're heading in a direction where we're going to need to do that because I think that we are going to need to trend towards bivocational and co-vocational yeah. uh, church planting and team church planting is something we talk about. I think we need to, I, I think it's very, very clear when you, uh, you know, like one of the, one of the symptoms of, uh, you know, I guess the, you know, a major problem we have within church planting right now is all the, the mental illness we're seeing. And I saw that another mega church pastor just took mm-hmm. his life, uh, this past week in California. Uh, you know, he was, uh, you know, leading a campus, one of the churches out there in California for, you know, he'd been there for three years, yeah. took his life this was never meant it was we were never meant to place all this burden no. <clears throat> on the shoulders of one man and i just think that it's becoming yeah. it's it's too much pressure it's not meant to be that way it was meant to be a body it was meant to be a team and uh we're going to have to move towards bivocational and co-vocational because um you know we don't know what the political climate is in the future you know all that stuff if we want to multiply uh we're not going to be able to do it with you know by throwing money at the problem uh and so uh, i think that those are are big pieces and those are, you know, so take that for what it's worth. Like, I think that those are going to be necessary things as we move into the future of church planting, uh, in North America. So, yeah, I think that's a part that is attractive to, to, to young guys specifically that are coming out of seminary or whatever, or that are just, um, that, that just see as the house model, as the, their preferred model, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they see it as like simplified, this is kind of like biblical, sure. you know, we, we don't have to have this big machine. Sure. And I get that, I, I, but here's the deal. Yeah. What I, what I, what I do disagree with is when we take that all the way to the other pendulum, because what I've seen is I've seen that get emphasized to the point where it becomes about, uh, for example, okay. You know, when we gather, uh, you know, preaching is not in the Bible. Like I know people who, you know, say that we shouldn't preach now. First of all, like that's just going against like, you know, centuries of, of church history. And so yeah. it I, to me, that just seems extremely presumptuous to believe that you've arrived at a conclusion uh, in which you have figured out that almost every single church father in the history of the church was wrong. Yeah. And every single great, you know, man of God that, that you know, we look to that's contributed to church that they all had it wrong and we figured it out. Yeah. I just think that that's presumptuous. I, I, I do agree that we should be, you know, finding alternative ways to gather. And I see the, the draw of, yeah. you know, of house churches and things like that. And I want that to increase, but like, 
you look at China right now, you know what I mean? Like China, they don't like the churches don't have tax exempt status and stuff like that. They don't have all this stuff. Right. But they still gather corporately. Yeah. Like, and I just think why, because that's how God wired us. Like we want to gather corporately to worship and it's okay. to gather corporately to worship and it doesn't matter where you do it. If you gather corporately to worship in a house or if you gather in a basement or if you gather in a school or you gather wherever it is that you gather corporately, uh, you can do that. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the, the preaching event can have a place, but I think what the reason that, that there's, you know, pushback and, 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 and guys want to completely turn in the other direction is because they're reacting to a very real problem in the, the average church in North America. And that's this, it's that church is seen as an event that happens on Sunday and it's a place that you go and it's and a bunch of people go and they sit in stadium style seating where there's a stage and they watch the professionals do the work of ministry and they consume and then they go home. And I agree. I can't stand that. Yeah. And you know, like that's, that's just, I don't think that's biblical. I don't think that's, I think we need to move away from that and we need to get the saints involved in ministry and equip them. Um, but it doesn't mean that we throw the baby out with the bathwater and we go, okay, no more, you know, organized services. If you have an order of worship, get rid of it. No more preaching, you know, like (laughs) no more titles and everybody's, you know, it's just like, hold on, man. Like, you know, like, so no, I think that, I think that the, I think there is an an entire generation that's coming up that um I used to think we're just kind of longing for cooler church but I actually think it's got more depth to it in, yeah. in a lot of ways. I think there's a whole generation of guys and gals who are saying, "You know what? This is not what I see in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I don't see this like cold like stoic this is what we do on Sunday for an hour and a half and then go about our lives. And and stuff. Amen to that, right? Yeah. And I say amen to yeah. that, you know, I mean, and the heartbeat behind that is, is positive and yeah. good, you know, but to your point, it doesn't mean, I always go back to the word transparency, you know, and when you're transparent, I, I think back to, to some of, you know, my church experiences from even as a child to, you know, pastoring in the States and stuff like that before we came here. There's just so much of it that just felt so plastic looking back on it, you know, just so there was so much of it that it wasn't authentic in a lot of ways. Not all of it. I'm not, not, I'm not throwing the baby out the bathwater, but I'm just saying a lot of it just seemed like, well, this is what we do, you know, and you know, you've got the preacher's voice and, oh, I mean, how many times, I mean, like, I remember even similar, like, man, that guy's got such a good voice. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. he's got a good voice. I yeah. mean, like, what have we done with some of this stuff? And like, mm-hmm. I, I think it's changing. I think the dynamics are definitely changing across yep. North America and the world. Yep. And I think we are. So I don't think you throw out preaching by no means. I think how we communicate is going to have to change. Sure. I think what we value is going to have to change. Mm-hmm. I think these enormous facilities that we keep on building mm. I, th- I think it's probably going to have to change. Yep. I would love to see these places become, you know, centers, like genuine ministry centers, refugee centers, mm-hmm. uh, yes, preaching centers. Build out a smaller facility that, that's if your church of a couple or a thousand or twelve hundred or two thousand, build build out a facility of five hundred, mm-hmm. have a few services. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know, man. It's just, it, it it's just. I think it's going to have to be different yep. moving forward. 
or we can just keep on thinking we're going to keep doing what we've always done. And I think we're going to, I think we're already starting to see some of the, mm-hmm. the effects of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we need to start preparing for, for, for the change now, because I think if we keep going the way that we are, that we're, I, you know, we're not prophets and we don't know what's going to happen in the future. But I, I think that a lot of people kind of recognize that things are not going to stay the same. We've, we've been living in a very unique time in the history of the world, uh, where this, you know, uh, the United States of America and even, you know, Canada to some extent, you know, is an outlier in terms of like the amount of freedom we've had, uh, to worship. Uh, and, um, you know, that's, it has not been like that from the majority of the history of world history. And if we naively just think that it's going to stay this way, uh, I mean, I just think that the, uh, the tea leaves are, uh, you know, you know, pointing in different directions. So, um, so r- real quick, I did want to, uh, you know, I said that we would kind of talk about some of the, you know, the playing field within which we should stay when we're talking about church planning models. I, I do think that there are multiple different models that can, you know, work and depending on your context. But I do think that there are also like some parameters within which these For models sure. need to stay. And if they if they go out of bounds outside these parameters, I think now you're looking at, well, I, are we sure that this is you know, pleasing to God. Uh, the first one would be biblical. Is it biblical? Yeah. You know, like if your, you know, church planting model is, um, you know, like not within the bounds of scripture, then I think that you've got a problem. And like, so an example of that would be if your model is built around um, the celebrity status of one man, right? And yeah. you are using and leveraging uh, the the celebrity status of a, of a pastor uh, to, uh, kind of build up a following and get people in your doors. Like, I just don't see how you can make a case for that biblically. Yeah. Uh, I think that Jesus is the celebrity that we, <laughs> that we leverage, right. Yeah. To reach people and nobody else. Uh, he's the King. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if you saw this. Um, I saw, uh, HB Charles Jr. shared this the other day. It was an article on, uh, Tom Rainer wrote it on mm-hmm. the uh, transition of these mega churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see that? Uh, I, oh, you, I, you mentioned it. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And, um, they're, they're like all looking for the same candidate mm-hmm. and, um, they're, they're all fishing from the same pond, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a tough candidate. You know, they want that guy to be like 36 to 45, uh, MDiv mm-hmm. doctorate preferred experience of pastoring a church of 500 or more. It's just like, man, you're getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. And so what we do is we say, well, like, those are the elite yeah. Those are like the guys that have like the real giftedness, mm-hmm. you know, and, and maybe they are gifted. They're gifted communicators, obviously, and maybe organizationally and all those kinds of things. But, you know, yeah, I mean, to your point, it just seems like we're building up generation after generation of these superstar types. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe and maybe we're being a little hypocritical because like we, we you know, like we love Charles Spurgeon and we love John Wesley and we love Whitfield and all go on and on. I love the Puritans, you know, I love to read their sermons and, sure. and, uh, we, we, you know, so I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, there's, there's great men of God who I love mm. and who I've said like, Oh man, like they've had a great impact on mm. my life. Sure. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with people like, 
you know, with a church having a preferred favorite because they've got a a person who's extremely gifted and preaching and, you know, like that Spurgeon is an example of that. Right. Right. But I don't think anybody would have ever like accused Spurgeon of trying to leverage his personality and his celebrity status to try to get more people in his church. No, I don't, I I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Like I, I, I agree with you. I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but like what, like the, you know, I don't know of any guy. Well, there are guys out there, but they're usually false prophets, right? Yeah. But like the the guys that are solid that we know, I mean, like mm-hmm. I don't think like John Piper ever said like when he was at Bethlehem, like I'm gonna become this guy, or John MacArthur. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like if 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 he, if he's one of your favorites or whatever, and you say, well, not mine either, but I'm just throwing names out there, and um, you know, and and he says, oh well, well, um, I mean, like people obviously mm-hmm. come to his church though mm-hmm. because he's so well known. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what you're getting at. But I don't think he would ever say, like, come to my church because I'm well known. No, I I think what I'm more talking about, I'm not talking about, like, if you've got, you know, a lot of people coming to your church, then, you know, you've clearly it's evidence of an unbiblical model. That's not what I'm saying at all. Right. I think what I'm more saying is that so I've seen this. I've seen people do this where they'll play that they'll run the play of um, they'll begin uh, doing things. First of all, um, they will. Uh, begin to, uh, you know, very clearly they'll have a, it's usually like a very highly attractional, you know, type of experience, right? Yeah. Uh, and they will uh, throw a, a lot of money into it and they'll begin to build their own brand, right? Yeah. So like they'll do things like, I, like let's do things like um, uh, quote themselves, uh, you know, on social media and they'll, and they'll, they'll really focus on their social media, yeah. you know, platform and they'll like, they'll build them, they'll make a fan page for themselves, stuff like that. Like seriously, like I yeah. watch people do it and it's a play that they're running. Like they really, this, they, and you know what, like maybe there's a part of them that's like, you know, oh, I'm doing this, you know, cause I want to reach people for Jesus, but it's re- man, you know, pride is a sneaky thing yeah. uh, in ministry. And yeah. I just think that we're so much more susceptible to it than we realize. Yeah. Um, so I think that's more what I'm talking about, you yeah. know, and, and uh, talk about so. cult of personality. Cult, yeah, exactly. So. And, yeah. I mean, that's, it can be dangerous. Absolutely. Yeah. Another, uh, you know, uh, boundary is that our model should not leave ministry to the professionals. We kind of already covered yeah. that. It, it, whatever model you have, it needs to leave room for, the everyday person in your church to be able to be actively involved. And I don't just mean, you know, Hey, you go watch babies in the nursery and you know, like, yeah, Uh, they need to actually be involved using their spiritual gifts. Yeah. Uh, And even on Sunday morning, like believe it or not, like there should be room for people to use their gifts on Sunday mornings. You know, man, one thing I do like about, um, one thing I really enjoy about the context that we're in here, I've been here since 2012. You've been here since 2015 or 15, 15, 15. Yeah. And um, one thing I do really like about our context here is that you don't feel as much of that pressure like on Sunday mornings. And I'm, I'm sure it's to be perfectly, perfectly frank, I'm sure it's because we're not a big church, you know, but um, but I also think that even if we were bigger because of the way in which we started and stuff like that, I think you can. And we're even really working hard at trying to do this more. But, I, you know, I, I don't care if it's not perfect here i want it to be i don't i don't want it to be authentically terrible you know it's like well we ju- we're just authentic your worship just sucks like you know I, i'm not like i'm not i'm not talking about that mm-hmm. i think we should do things with excellence whatever we do if we do hymns we should do them with excellence you know but like but i but i like the the idea that you know we don't have that pressure here of 
if somebody gets up to share a testimony and they're not an elegant speaker, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have to coach them or whatever, you know, they can just get up and share their heart, but the spirit's present and the spirit's leading in it. Like that's more important mm -hmm. than whether or not like they sound perfect. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. that's the pressure that I don't miss. No, no, I, I agree with you because I, there was a, there was a short time when we started when I didn't know any better, you know, I never planted a church before. And so you just start doing things that you think you're supposed to do as a church plant. Like that's why we bought those lights, right? Yeah. Like looking back, like, did they really fit with our values and you know our vision? Not really. No. Yeah. And you know, after a couple of Sundays of using them, we quickly realized like, this is not us, you know? Yeah. And it's not that there's anything wrong with lights, but no. we had to understand who we were. Like we're in a poor community, you know, in, in South Oshawa, yeah, it just nobody it just, cares. It was a bad fit, you know, and like, but and then aesthetically, just a real practical thing. It just didn't fit aesthetically because you have so much light on. I'll be honest, man, it's kind of pathetic if you're, you're walking in there and you got these like lights on and stuff, and you got like <laughs> 29 people, and you're kind of like, okay, this is dumb. Like, <laughs> let's just get rid yeah. of these stupid lights, you know. So you know, like, and I realize like it's okay. Like, we're not trying to be. We don't need to try to be somebody that we're not. And you can waste so much time like fretting over, you know, your transitions, like, oh my gosh, my worship leader, you know, keeps on like, you know, the praying too long in between songs or, you know, keeps forgetting to dismiss the kids or, you know, or, oh man, like, you know, we keep like the slides, you know, whoever's doing the slides are not like, uh, uh, look, there's nothing wrong with like talking to these people yeah, about this thing, like things. coach them through these things. But if you're spending like so much time wringing your hands and like, and you really think that that's, what's going to be the difference between like, like seeing revival come and not like, I've just, I would much rather, I'm at a point where I would much rather spend my time in prayer during the week and just like yeah. spending time with God, spending time discipling people because number one is more enjoyable and the pressure's not on me. It's not on my shoulders, right? I can put them on God by praying, right? Yeah. And he will take care of those things. Uh, and number two, I think it's more productive spiritually. But it's so interesting, right? Like, uh I remember in the beginning thinking, you know, like if we just had this or if we just had that or if this was better, if that was better, then man, those guests would have stayed or those people would come back or whatever it might have been. Yeah. And it's if like, they would have stayed that's because what, your transitions yeah. were smoother, did you really want them to well, stay? Well, that's what I was about to say. I mean, you know, it's like, what are you building at that point? Right? Yeah. Th doesn't that make sense? Sure. Like, then what are you building? But dude, this is so hard for us, right? Sure. Because we feel the pressure of empty seats, right? Well, and it, they're so, yeah. it's so tempting to yeah. want to do everything you can to keep those people from leaving, right? Yeah. Because you don't want to, because what, what do you feel when you come in next Sunday and you're down from where, where you were yeah. the previous Sunday, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Just, I think you just have to, I think on the front end, you have to accept some things. You know, you can get a you can get people in a room. I know some ways to fill a room. Mm -hmm. You can do that. But I, I think that, you know, you have to accept from the very beginning, what kind of church do we want to build? You know, we talk about models. What kind of church do we want to build? How are we going to create the DNA of this church through this model? Yeah. Whatever model it might be. So, yeah. And I'll just kind of, there's one more question from a listener we want to get to, but uh, um, I just kind of want to make a personal plea to you guys that are listening. Um, and just think about... <laughs> Like, what do you, what do you really want to give your life to? And like, what, what do you, what do you really want to do? Like, like, what do you want your, your legacy to be? Like when you think about it, uh, you know, 
like, what is God, what is Jesus calling us to do? Yeah. Like ultimately, is he really calling us to, you know, uh, grow a church and to, you know, reach a certain number? Like, look, I'm not trying to, 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 to dog on, you know, you know, these, these guys that come out with these programs or whatever about how you can get your attendance to this level or that level. But I just, sometimes I see that stuff and I, and this kind of makes me sad, honestly, because I think when we get, we get so wrapped up in this and I just think, are we forgetting the king, the, the type of kingdom that we're trying to advance? Jesus, I feel like bends over backwards to try to explain to the disciples that the kingdom of God is upside down, yeah. that the stuff that the world celebrates, that the stuff, you know, that we would look at and go, wow, that's impressive. That, that those are not the things that are important to God. Like, like if, like the brother that just faithfully labors and he has a church of 35 people that he pastors, but he's discipling those people well, and they're continuing to faithfully sow seed in the harvest and they're seeing people come to Christ. They might not be seeing like, they might not be baptizing 97 people, you know, and you know, like running these people through and having these enormous ministries, but man, he's bearing fruit for the kingdom. Yeah. That, you know, Jesus over and over again, you know, talks about how the people who are working in obscurity right now in this world are going to be celebrated and they're going to have, you know, uh, they're going to be, uh, you know, rewarded uh, greatly yeah. in heaven. And I just think, like, don't be afraid to of obscurity. You know, that's one of the things that I'm passionate about this because I've, I've been learning it myself and I was so afraid for so long of being obscure and of nobody, yeah. of like, of not making a difference, of not mattering. And I think that it can come from a good place of wanting to make a difference and wanting to make an impact, but also think it can come from a little bit of like pride because, you know, I'm not making as much of a difference as he is. Yeah. And how come I'm not getting noticed? And like, dude, if you're being noticed by Jesus and he's saying like, hey, those of you who are working at obscurity, you're great as your reward in heaven. Like, what more do you want? Yeah. I think, man, like, it's a good word. I, I think, honestly, the at the end of the day, you know, this th- this episode's about models. Yeah. Man, I have, I have met faithful brothers and sisters literally in every model. Mm-hmm. In every model that love Jesus. They want to see his kingdom advance. And they are making disciples that make disciples at the end of the day. That's what matters. Small is not always good. Big is not always good. Faithfulness is good. Faithfulness. There are the mega church pastors that are faithfully preaching the word, faithfully trying to make disciples. There are the, the, uh, the, the pastors of of churches of 15 that are not doing those things. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're, uh, beating their people over with, you know, a, a pharisaical rod. And, yeah. and, um, so I think to me models, you know, we're going to kind of end the show in just a minute talking about like, how do you know what kind of model you should implement and stuff. But, but I think models to me are kind of the after effect of other things. Mm-hmm. And Jesus gives us the great commission and he says, you know, go and make disciples. No, I mean, if you're doing that, and then the controversy comes from with certain models when we start to say like it doesn't appear that you're doing that. It yeah. appears that you are more interested with this right. than you are and to your point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh really <clears throat> real quick, I wanted to get to Aaron Taylor. He uh, asked a question uh on the, the Facebook page and here's what he asked. He said, "Which models tend to be most used in various networks 
And from that, which models tend to lead to church plants that are sustaining after three to five years? Um, and so a couple of the networks. That's a good that question. He, yeah. He, so the couple of the networks that he mentioned would be NAM, ARC, uh, et cetera. You know, I guess, you know, there's Axe 29. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I think like NAM is fairly diverse, you know, from my experience, but I would say missional attractional is probably yeah. the predominant model that's being taught and that's being, uh, you know, uh, planted. ARC is definitely attractional. Uh, yeah, I mean, like that's, I, would say that. I, I, you know, I don't think that, anybody from ARC would disagree with me on that. You know, I'm that's, and again, I'm not saying that because I'm like, Oh, they're bad. That's yeah. just, that's how, that's their strategy, man. You know, uh, pretty yeah. undeniable. So, yeah, I think, uh, his question about like self sustainability for three to five years. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've heard like in Canada that that number is getting pushed. Like I've been hearing this for the past, like three years. You really, that, that number is, doesn't exist anymore. Like three to five years. It's more like seven to 10 is kind of the goal um, to become self-sustaining to become self-sustaining yeah. and we talk about self-sustainment you can define and he might not even be talking about financial he might just be like right. are they still viable plants five years down the road exactly like, are they still alive yeah so i think it'd be helpful like just to kind of define what what basic self-sustainment is i think basic self-sustainment is you have covenant members that are contributing to the mission they um you know they're serving they're giving going all those kinds of things gathering in small groups. Um, you're not dependent on outside financial resources. You can pay your bills. You can pay a pastor if that's your model, mm -hmm. you know, those kinds of things. So I think that's basic self-sustainment. Yeah. Um, now models will dictate how quickly you get to that. So if you create a model, so on the high end, like an attractional model, it's obviously more expensive yep. because you know, you're typically going to have to pay a high level communicator you're going to you're going to typically have to pay for all those things that you feel like you might need to have a high quality productive service mm -hmm. um and and so it could be a more expensive it can it can be a longer road to hoe to get to self sustainability with an attractional model um so those i i think the missional attractional is kind of the middle one that we see where most churches are planted mm -hmm. i know within the sin network at least yeah like i know like so house church movements and stuff like that, like financially, uh, obviously, you know, it's pretty easy to be self-sustaining financially Yeah, to an extent. Uh, although fundraising I was gonna is, say, we know a, lot uh, of those is guys. a lot, uh, is a lot harder than, than that's one thing that people don't talk about is if you want to be uh, full-time doing that, um, it's not easy to fundraise and to, and you're basically you're, you're committing to fundraise perpetually because there's yeah. a good chance that you're never going to be, uh, over a movement where you're going to be able to be supported by, uh, the, the people that you're reaching. So, you know, are you ready to fundraise for the next 40 years? You know, what's interesting though, um, to your point is I, we, we, when, when we first got into church planning and we talked about different models, like I just always assume like house church planners, you know, had jobs. And there are a lot that do that, but over the past couple of years, we've met a lot of house church planners in, full -time missionaries. that are full-time missionaries, yep. you know, the no place left movement. They're yep. doing incredible things, yep. um, but you know, they fully fundraise. Yeah. And um, it, 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 it is, I mean, 
you know, so however you parse that out, mm -hmm. you know, is something you have to work. And through. I think what, if you were to ask them, um, you know, like if Troy Cooper, for example, were sitting with us, what he would probably say is that like the guys that are, are full-time missionaries with them, like they don't just want them to start a house church. No. They want them to be like multiple. They want them to be discipling people who are starting house churches. Yeah. They want them to be, uh, you know, helping to catalyze and preside over a movement of house churches. Yeah. And so like, I don't think that they would say like every person who starts a house church as a full-time missionary. Obviously no. that's not realistic. So I uh, definitely want to clarify that, but um, you know, self financially self-sustaining uh, yeah. Uh, house churches can get there, but I, I do think that we're seeing right now in North America that it's not easy for house churches to remain viable uh, five years down the road. I think that there can be some high attrition rates in terms of like, you can see these, you know, works start up um, and they just don't ever get to, um, to critical mass yeah. and they kind of, you know, flame out. So, yeah, I think, I think whatever your model is, like there's certain things that should just always be there, you know, like that are just in the Bible. Uh, giving is one of those things. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about financial self-sustainment. So, mm -hmm. you know, that should be taught to the people in your church, whether you're a 10 member house church model that wants to start another house church, sure. or if you're a church of 50 sure. meeting in a school gym. Absolutely. Um, all right. So, how do you decide which church planning model you are going to pursue if you're thinking about planning a church? Uh, I think that there are three factors that you need to consider here. Okay. And we're not really going to get into detail on this because we already talked about it, but these, this is what I'll leave you with. Um, number one would be the cultural context. Um, you need to, I mean, don't try to force a model onto your culture. A, you know, again, an example of that, uh, you know, would be if you're going into, uh, you know, like, India and you're trying to, you know, start like an attractional church or something like that. You know what I mean? And you're like, like it just, it would not probably be the best fit. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I've never been to India, but I'm just guessing that that's not the, uh, you know, okay, we'll say this China, right? Yeah. Like you're not going to go to China right now and try to start an evangelical attractional church. Cause you're just going to get thrown in jail immediately. Right. So that would not be a wise choice. Right. right? So considering the context, you would probably want to do an underground house church movement. Yeah. Right. Um, secondly, the personality and the gift set of the planter and his team need to be taken into consideration. Um, you know, like if you are not a strong communicator, then you probably shouldn't, you know, have a church planning model that's attractional, yeah. you know, like where you're, you know, where you're depending on, you know, strong communication from the front, you know, like that would just, you know, kind of be common sense, but you, it's not just your gift set. You want to take into the consideration your entire team. How's God wired you? What are you passionate about? Uh, this is something that church unique, that book we told you about can really help you with mm. your, uh, kind of the, uh, to discover what, uh, Will Mancini calls your kingdom concept. Uh, that can really help a lot. And then the third factor would be, you can, what is your ultimate goal? Yeah. Right? Like, what are you really wanting to work towards? You know, uh, are you, um, you know, is your goal to plant a church that can reproduce itself uh, rapidly and expansively? If so, then you probably want a model that's very reproducible. So like a massive launch with 300 people may not be the best way to go. If your goal is you're wanting to multiply quickly uh, and, and, and easily because it's harder to replicate a church yeah. plant model that needs 300 people on your core team, yeah. right? So yeah, those are the three factors I'd say. I think, man, just kind of like... You know, understanding all those things are really good. Understanding who you are, understanding where you want to take your church and the vision that God's given to you is really important. Like from the from the very beginning for Fellowship Pickering, like and for the Fellowships Network, 
we still look at that number as a 50 mm-hmm. as a good, like that's a good target point. Mm-hmm. Like in our context, we think it's like a good, like for critical mass and all those kinds of things. And, and so for like, we want to start as many trips as we can of like 50 to 80 and not as a launch team, but as like, that's right. Like yeah, to, to build up to, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, to, to a 50 to 80 and, and then start another church mm-hmm. and you might not ever be a church bigger than 50 or 80 because yep. you're always multiplying. Mm-hmm. And so you got to kind of just ask yourself, you know, are you okay with that? Is that yeah. really what you want to do? Mm-hmm. And, um, so understanding your model and knowing where you want to go is really, really important. Yeah. I'm going to close. <clears throat> I wasn't going to do this really, but, um, I, uh, want to kind of share what this is my favorite church planting model. And this yeah. is like the way that I believe that we need to go. So I'm a strong believer in APEST church plant team, church planting, sure. which would be Ephesians four eleven to 12, the apostle prophet evangelist, shepherd and teacher. Um, and I think that, uh, so, uh, Alan Hirsch kind of talks about, about it, but a lot about this Peyton Jones. Uh, and I like how Peyton describes it. He, you know, he talks about how church planning teams should be like a, a, a team of missionaries that parachutes into an area, like a, like a, like a team of commandos, you know, Navy yeah. SEALs, and they each have their specialized gift, you know, one's the demolition expert, one's the, you know, the sharpshooter, you know, whatever. And uh, one's the, the breacher. And so you go in and you, you hit the field and everybody plays their part and then you begin to reach lost people, uh, plant churches uh, from evangelism as you begin to reach people in the harvest, then you can go ahead and start, you know, having a corporate gathering after you've made some disciples. And then after a while, the apostolic uh, and evangelistic types are probably going to pull out uh, and that commando team is going to go and they may leave a couple of the members behind, but, but, uh, but the bulk of that commando team is going to leave and go and do it somewhere else right. um, again. And so like, if you want to, if you're asking me, what do I think is the future of church planning? That's what I think. Yeah. I, just, I just wrote a paper on it not too long ago, and and I'm gonna continue to kind of study in that direction because yeah. I just believe that's the future of it. Yeah, so, absolutely. There's a little bonus material for you guys. Bonus round. Bonus. Um. So my marching orders, uh, for our uh, listeners today, because we forgot to do marching orders last week, and I just think we should. Whoa. Do it. Yeah. Um, I haven't really thought about what my marching orders are, but here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say this, um, just remember to, uh, like Paul said in Philippians chapter one, to rejoice that Christ is being proclaimed. Mm. Uh, if there's anything that, that I think we need to remember guys, it's that we need to set our pride and our egos aside and you can be passionate about the different, you know, models that you're passionate about and methodology, but man, let's love one another. Well, let's not treat people who have a different methodology than us. Like they're false teachers. You know, we're not, you know, supposed to mark them and, you know, and denounce, you know, just, just because a guy like, you know, has a large gathering and they have a fog machine in their church. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's let's not spend our time slandering those people. Like, what a waste of time, and what a uh, you know, just what a what a damage that can do to the body of Christ. Yeah, I, I just uh, those would be my that, those going to be my marching orders too. So we're uh, on the same page with that. I, I think you know, just a spirit of humility, esteeming others more than yourselves, um, learning from others. Mm-hmm. Man, none of us have this figured out. Like, if you if you like, this is my model. This is how I'm. Man, like learn from guys doing house church models. Learn from guys doing attractional models. Learn from guys doing missional track. Learn from somebody doing something different than you are. And but that's gonna take humility. And that's gonna that's gonna take sitting down and, and really listening to what they have to say. And um and you know, I, I remember I've I have i have heard so many young planners over the years like b- bemoan like mega churches. 
Mm-hmm. Oh man, like mega churches, like they got these huge billions and they got this and they got that. And, and you know, they, they're wasting all, they waste more money on copy paper than, than we could do in the kingdom and stuff. But guess what? They're also putting a lot of dollars behind church planning movements. It's true. So other churches can, churches can do things that other churches can't mm-hmm. and vice versa with smaller churches. So man, everybody should have a seat at the table. We're all on the same team. If we're preaching, like Paul says, the gospel of Jesus Christ, we should rejoice. That's right. So I would just say that. That's good. Um, hey guys, want to uh, let you know that we do have a resources section on our website, www.getinthetrenches.com. And uh, so if you are looking for some good uh, material regarding church planting, some books to read, we have uh, some book recommendations on there. So you can actually go to uh, our website and from the homepage, you can click on the resources tab. Uh, and then by category, we've got resources. Uh, we've got uh, links to different book recommendations. And what that actually does is if you uh, end up clicking clicking on one of the links to one of those books that we recommend and you end up, it's going to send you to Amazon. And if you end up purchasing that book, uh, actually uh, part, part of the proceeds uh, goes back and it helps support us uh, so that we can continue to make in the trenches better uh, so that we can give uh, uh, more more good content to church planners uh, that need it. So uh, hopefully you can take some time out to go and check out uh, the resources page. And we've got some good books recommended on there. Uh, really appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate all your support. We hope that uh, that this has been beneficial to you and that's been a blessing to you. Uh, and we're going to be back. We'll be back next Monday with another episode of In the Trenches. So until then, go out there and get in those trenches, church planners.